Scooby-Doo, where are you? Welcome to another episode of the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo, the podcast where we delve into the mystery of Scooby-Doo media, getting clues from people who helped bring our favorite mystery-solving dog to life on various platforms, and maybe eating some Scooby snacks along the way. I'm your host, Alexa Lawler. Scooby-Doo, where are you? And it would have been mine if it hadn't been to those meddling kids. Gang, we've just been handed our next mystery. Blasted meddling kids. Scooby fans, this week we have Rick Kopp, who is the writer of one of my favorite Scooby movies, and the movie that first introduced the Hex Girls, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Rick also wrote the 2013 special episode, Scooby-Doo and the Mecha Mutt Menace, which we will also go into a little bit more in the interview. Let's get into it. I'm doing great, Alexa. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. If you're up for it, I like to start off with three questions of trivia. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Um, Hopefully they're not too complicated. (laughs) Um, Question one, what was the name of Ben Ravencroft's hometown where the witch's ghost takes place? Oh, my God. This is my own writing you're testing me about. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what's so sad is I just watched the movie again recently uh, because I was doing a newspaper uh, interview with The Independent in London about the Hex Girls, of all things. And um, I watched the movie, and I don't even remember. It, was, it wasn't Salem. It was like, because I'm from Maine originally, so I wanted it to be in Maine um, or New England. Uh, but what is it? Oh. <laughs> Oak Haven. Oak Haven. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> oh God. I don't think they're going to get any better, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and question two, what are the names of the three members of the Hex Girls? Hex Girls, I knew it. Um, uh, oh, God. Uh, well, I know they're, they're Earth, Earth names. <laughs> um, God, what were, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. Um, Thorn. Yes. Uh, uh, Dusk. Yep. And is it Luna? It is. Okay, I got one. Now I I can get, I got 30% of the test right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and for the last question for the trivia, in Scooby-Doo Mecha Mutt Menace. Oh, there, God, all right. (laughs) <laughs> Who does Fred catch in his dry run of the trap instead of Shaggy and Scooby? I thought it was it wasn't Velma. It was it was a guest star, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the one of the extra characters, supporting characters. Yeah, yeah. It was like an uh, was it a, a, a assistant or something? Uh... Uh, her name was Melanie Staples. Melanie Staples. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, I remember after you tell me. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) 
In my defense, I also write mystery novels under the name Lee Hollis, and I've just finished a, a string of 20. So my plot, my plot, uh, <laughs> my plot uh, memories can be a little fuzzy because I've, I've written so much. <laughs> That's totally understandable. <laughs> now, if this was Josie and the Pussycats, forget it. I'd be hands down. I'd be the original series. <laughs> And to kick off the general questions here, what's your relationship to Scooby-Doo? Did you watch it all? Yes, I, Alexa, I'm probably over twice your age. So I remember the original series when it first came on. And uh, I was like five years old. Um, and uh, uh, it just, it was the, one of the first memories of a cartoon uh, that I, I have. And, and it was that, and then the following year, Josie and the Pussycats, as I mentioned. And those two shows were so um, seminal in my development as a writer, actually, because even though I got my start in sitcoms, um, writing for like the Golden Girls and Wings and stuff like that, my heart was always with mysteries. And, and so when I got the opportunity to write uh, for Scooby-Doo, it was like a dream come true. It really was. Do you have a favorite personal memory related to Scooby at all? Uh, yeah, well, in terms of writing, I, I was, um, I think, one of the first writers to, I, I co-wrote the script with my old writing partner, David Goodman, um, who went on to do Family Guy, actually. Uh, I, I always wanted to play up the unspoken um, uh, flirtation between Fred and Daphne. You know, it was, in the original series, it was never really that overt. And that was my mission in Witch's Ghost, which is the first script I ever did for Scooby and uh and I remember when I heard them recording it and the two actors and it was just like oh that's exactly what I've been waiting for since I was a kid is to see this flirtation out in the open <laughs> definitely um and you had mentioned that you started off in sitcoms but how did you come to work in animation well, I, um, yeah, I started out, uh, I wrote my first five years in Hollywood, I wrote for sitcoms, um, but I had a really close friend who knew my love of mysteries, who knew my love of Scooby, and her name was Linda Steiner, and she was an executive at Warner Brothers, and she uh, brought me in, uh, and David in, uh, and we met with her and Jean McCurdy, who was running the Warner Brothers animation at the time, and they basically gave us carte blanche to do a Scooby movie. They had done one. They had done the Zombie Island one, I think it's called. Um, and so I, of course, wanted an old-fashioned um, uh, New England witches, kind of witches of Salem kind of thing. And, and, and Stephen King, of course, is very big in my home state of Maine, so I wanted kind of Ben Reagan's across to be that kind of character. Um, and uh, uh, and so that's how it got all started. And then and then I never dreamed that the um, the movie would do so well. Which <laughs> you know you, you still see how how popular it is even today, especially with the Hex Girls, the Hex Girls, which I never thought you know the Hex Girls actually was um, my answer to Josie and the Pussycats. I wanted to put a girl band in in the show, and then very happily, you know, Jane Wideland the Go-Go's and, you know, all these great people got involved. And, um, and I thought they were one and done in that movie, but then they kept popping up in other Warner Brothers shows, especially Scooby, other Scooby incarnations. And, um, and then just recently I discovered just uh, about a year and a half ago, this, the independent in New York, uh, London, I'm sorry, uh, 
called me for an interview. They were doing On the Hex Girls, these supporting characters from a Scooby movie. And I had no idea they were such big queer icons. And if you go on Twitter and put in Hex Girls, they're like everywhere. So <laughs> I'm very proud of that, actually. <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think we'll go a little more in depth on that later because you're just answering all my questions right off the bat here. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm jumping the gun. I'm unmasking the villain too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so was uh, was writing and writing in animation something that you had always wanted to do? You know, in the back of my mind, I mean, my... Um... You know, it, it was more the mystery aspect than the animation aspect. I mean, I've gone on, I've done, I wrote a lot of Teen Titans episodes for Warner Brothers. I mean, that's been, Warner Brothers has been kind of my place where I've been doing animation during my career. Um, I did the Scooby-Doo Muckamet Menace. I did um, a show called Lunatics Unleashed, which wasn't as creatively as uh, successful as, as we had hoped. But, um, uh, but so I, I've had that long tradition, but it really was my love of mysteries that, that got me and as you see in my later years, I did a web series called Where the Bears Are, which is like Murder Wrote meets, you know, Big Harry Gay Guys, or, or all my books are like Murder Wrote meets Desperate Housewives. So like, you can see that's kind of my, my um, sweet spot. And that's, that's why Scooby, which was the first mystery I'd ever discovered, even before the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew books, you know, that I read as kid. Scooby was my first introduction to that kind of crime solving, which I just loved. And do you remember a specific moment where you wanted to get into writing? Yes. Uh, I want, I remember it was, I was always writing as a kid. I was always fascinated by it. And my grandparents bought me this like Corona old fashioned typewriter. It was like bang out these plays. But I realized all my plays were based on TV shows. <laughs> I knew that's probably where I was heading, you know? So my very first, growing up in a really stark winter in Far Harbor, Maine, uh, I wanted an excuse to stay inside during recess because it was so cold outside. So I wrote a script based on Gilligan's Island. And I cast all my friends in this. <laughs> so we got to stay inside and rehearse instead of going out into the cold for recess. <laughs> and then the play was very successful. So I went on to do like a, a Charlie's Angels and the Hardy Boys. I mean, <laughs> just like whatever was on the air at the time on ABC, I guess. And going into Witch's Ghost a little bit here, so you yeah. were able to completely come up with the idea, right? The studio didn't give you any ideas for it? No, no, that was what, um, that was what was so fun. And then we also, you know, we kind of did the unmasking, like the typical Scooby trope at the end, but then we, we brought it into even a more supernatural element, which hadn't really been done all that much before. And so, um, so that was kind of new, but they, they, that creative team at the time, anyway, they were very supportive. And uh, we did, I think we did a couple drafts and then the producers did a rewrite and then, and it ended up being what, what was pretty much on, on the DVD. And did you always want to include supernatural elements in it right off the start? No, actually, I, I just felt we needed an extra twist. So, <laughs> you know, I felt like, well, we're, this is a movie, you know, this isn't a, a typical 20 minute Scooby episode, you know, and so we had a lot more time for, um, you know, to develop, you know, a bigger story. And I think that's where our minds went at the time was, well, let's just take it a step further. What if it was not just, it's Mr. Cavendish, you know, <laughs> yeah. what if you went beyond that and, and explored a little more of that and, and put those iconic characters in, in an actual supernatural situation? And did you have any influences or inspirations that you had put into the story? 
Well, uh, as I mentioned before, I think, well, Josie and the Pussycats was a huge, uh, I was a huge fan of that, which is what led to the creation of the Hex Girls for sure. I mean, that was, that was totally my idea. That's what I, I wanted, a girl band, and I wanted them to uh, be representative of what was happening. So we made them kind of, you know, these Wiccan loving earth girls that, you know, in nature and climate and all that, you know, and so... You know, they were kind of ahead of their time, I think. <laughs> and uh, I think that's why, you know, little kids, boys and girls, who were like four or five watching that movie, are now in their 20s and they're dressing up as the Hex Girls for Halloween. You know, so um, uh, I think but that definitely was rooted in my early childhood memories of Josie and the Pussycats. And then, of course, you know, I would, as a, I, I would be novelist, which is kind of what I am mostly doing nowadays. Um, uh, you know, I love Stephen King and I was very proud of the fact that he was from Maine. And so I think that character was born out of, uh, out of, of you know, that memory of being in, in the high school and reading Stephen King's books and, and, you know, thinking what a cool character he was. And when you were writing Ben Ravencroft, did you know that it would eventually be Tim Curry voicing it? No. And the funny thing is, Alexa, at the time I was going to, this gym in Hollywood and Tim Curry was in one of my exercise classes. <laughs> so, and I would see Tim Curry and I was like, Oh my God, that's the guy from uh, um, uh, Rocky Ford Horror Picture Show. And then all these other, all these other wonderful things and never dreamed. And I never actually met him at the recording. He did it from a, another place. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, for the for the script, did you do some research into Wicca and witches to try and make that like semi accurate? We did. We did. We tried to um, we tried to make it as 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 real as possible. We because we didn't want to demonize it, you know. And so many, you know, it is it is a, a religion in a way. And so I'm not a, a Wiccan. I'm not a proponent, or I you know I don't promote. But I just felt like. You know, if we were going to go that route, we should be try to be as accurate as possible, given our the age of our audience. We didn't want to like hit it over the head, and, and I think we were successful. You know, you can go on Amazon and read some reviews from these very uptight mothers who are like, "They're putting witchcraft on our children," you know, that kind of thing, uh, which is definitely not the case. But um, but uh, uh, but we just thought it would be part of their lore as this kind of like um, uh, earthy, you know, environmental nature based rock group which you hadn't really seen before do you have a favorite character of the gang to write for yes i do i have always been a big fan of velma i think she is i always love the the brainy girl with glasses and and i think velma um is a heroine to a lot of people who feel underutilized but yet they know what they're doing they're the one of the group that knows the most of what they're doing and that they're undervalued. <laughs> and I always felt that about Velma. I felt she's so smart. She's like, you know, she's like the, the, the RBG of the Scooby gang. You know? <laughs> she's, uh, uh, and uh, I always felt she was undervalued by, you know, they, they would bring her in and she would observe things, but then, you know, Shag and Scooby got to go do all the fun stuff. And so um, I always, always tried with her to, to give her a little more spice and get a little, give her a little more time. And do you have a favorite supporting character in the movie? Well, I, I guess I'm at the risk of sounding repetitive, I just the Hex Girls. I just love them. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, and I didn't. I had no say in the design 
of them, which I thought was key, you know, and, um, uh, but I had none, not, they never consulted me or asked me or David or any of us. Um, so I was very pleased to see the designs because I felt like I wanted them to be a little goth, you know, and, and that, I think that's about the only description we used because it was the 90s, so goth was a big thing. And so I think we used that descriptive word in the script, but they took it and, and made something that's actually endured. You know, these, these images of those girls, I mean, again, you know, just go on social media and you're like, oh my God, they're a thing, you know? And so they, they had an impact. And did you ever think that they would become reoccurring characters in the franchise and have such a big impact? You know what? I've been asked this before, and and yes, uh, because shortly after the movie came out and um, it did so well, I mean, beyond their expectations, um, they brought us in to talk about developing a spinoff series for the Hex Girls. And I was all for it. I'm like, oh my God, this is my Josie dream come true. I'm going to be doing a girl band show, you know? And, um, uh, but the discussions never went beyond just creative discussions and never got into deal making or anything and development deal or anything like that. So, uh, but they did use those characters. And sadly, because of the writer's skills doesn't cover animation, you know, I don't, we aren't owed anything for creating those characters. They belong to Warner Brothers Wholesale. So, but, that said, it was nice to see them appear in other Scooby shows and, and uh, that they that they endured and that they lasted. That That's very gratifying. Do you think that that spinoff could ever be resurrected now? You know, it's so funny. I just, when this, I did this interview for the Independent and it was this, I didn't, once I realized the, the, um, the love that kids, well, now they're 20-somethings, the Gen Zers now, um, uh, half of them, I actually sent an email uh, a few months ago to Sam Register, who's the head of Warner Brothers Animation. I said, look, what's happening? Do something. You know, I never heard back. But, but never say never. You just, you just don't know. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wouldn't it? I think especially now, it'd be this, like, really cool, you know, representative, you know, girl group. I think that just, and, and their message is, is, is stronger than ever today than it even was all those years ago. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think it would be great. Definitely. Um, and just generally, do you have any favorite memories or stories that you like to share from working on the movie? Um, let me think. I remember, uh, just because it was my first animated project I had done. Um, we had written, we had written, uh, uh, other movies. I wrote, believe it or not, I wrote an Aquaman movie, <laughs> an animated movie that never, you know, long before the live action one came out. Uh, I did an animated film called Sticky Cheese Man. A lot of projects that didn't get off the ground and didn't make it, you know, at the end of the day. This was the first one that did. And so my favorite memory is to, to see the evolution of how an animated project is made with the drawings and, and, and the animatics. And, you know, everything's a lot more uh, sophisticated today. I mean, it's all computers and it's so easy, you know, to do it. Um, but back then it was just great seeing all these animatic drawings from all the artists. And it was just incredible, incredible to me. Cause it was like, you know, I got, I, I gotten back, uh, in the back of the bakery to see how the cakes are made. You know, it's just, it was really exciting for me. And so by the time I started doing Teen Titans, you know, it was like, I kind of knew what I was, I was, could write for and what I could do given all the, you know, the artist that, that really brought it to life. I think that's what it was, my favorite memory. 
And you mentioned that you had been working with a writing partner. Can you maybe describe how that process works when you're working with someone else? Yeah, um, uh, we sit down and we we map out the story together. And then in this case, I remember we were doing two projects at once. So I kind of took the reins of Scooby because I'm such a Scooby nut, you know. And he took the reins of another project we were doing. So, but but he would read everything I was doing. He would rewrite it. He would like make notes and we talk about it and sit down. So very collaborative. I mean, most of my career has been all collaborating with other people in terms of, and it's only been in the last eight years when I started writing mystery novels under a pen name that, that I've uh, really learned about the solitary life of a writer where I don't have somebody I'm gabbing to every day and tossing ideas back and forth. Um, but, uh, and even with Teen Titans, when I wrote those scripts on by myself, I still had a writing team you know, at Teen Titans that would go over everything with me and we'd sit down for a couple of days before I'd go off and write and we'd, we'd come up with every, almost all the beats of the story. So by the time I started writing the script, it was pretty much all a fait accompli of what it was going to be. Um, and I wanted to go a little bit into the supernatural element of it again. Um, growing up on Scooby, why bring in uh, the supernatural? Well, I, you know, as I said, it's, I know I know this is a controversial uh, topic with Scooby fans because some really like it and some don't. Uh, at the time, like I, I you know, I'm, I'm really going to be repeating myself here, but uh, but you know, at the time, I was looking at it as a movie, you know, because one of my credits was the Brady Bunch movie a few years before, and you know, we couldn't just write a 22 minute Brady Bunch episode. We had to make it bigger and and expand the world at least that's that's my creative choice I mean, it might not be everybody so with the brady bunch we said let's put them in the 90s and leave them in there as exactly they were in the 70s and that opened up the movie so we could tell a really big story and play all the comedy off against that so people wouldn't watch our movie and say oh this is just a regular brady bunch movie so that same i applied that same uh rightly or wrongly uh, part of the supernatural element to Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost because I thought this is a movie. This is going to be a 70-minute movie, not a 22-minute show. So I felt it was my duty as a storyteller to, to, to expand that, to make it bigger, rightly or wrongly, because I know I've heard all the arguments. <laughs> and um, uh, so whether I was successful, I don't know. But but uh, um, but that, that's the reasoning behind the supernatural. It's not like I'm you know, uh, a giant Twilight Zone fan and everything's got to be like Twilight Zone or anything like that. Uh, it was more of a decision based on opening up a, a, a bigger Scooby story. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And one thing that I'm just kind of curious about is uh, when Sarah Ravencroft gets like sucked back into the book, why does the turkey not go back to normal size? I don't know that you, you know what you cannot blame me for that Alexa because that was an artist's decision <laughs> you know they come up with a lot of that stuff in the in the in the drawings and stuff like that like and they add lots of stuff when they're doing the um, animation so I don't know I don't know I, I actually didn't even you know I, I I've heard that before but yeah I can't answer that question I'm sorry <laughs> let's put it this way in my defense it wasn't in the script <laughs> fair enough <laughs> Um, and moving towards Mechamut Menace, how did you oh, come to work on that after not working on Scooby for 
so many years. Yeah, I have been in, like I said, I've been in and out of Warner Brothers, you know, because I did, was doing other stuff besides animation. So, you know, you, you, the, I think the big Scooby break was because I went off to do other projects. Um, but uh, I do remember one of my dearest friends I met at Warner Brothers, um, Alan Burnett. And uh, I adore him. We still talk on Facebook almost all the time. Um, and uh, he was the bigwig over there in terms of Batman. And he writes all, he, uh, he just, he was there for decades as one of the head writers. Um, and so I'd always met him. I'd always wanted to work with him. And so when I was doing the show Lunatics Unleashed, which was about the you know Looney Tunes gang of superheroes, it was, lasted two seasons. It wasn't that great of a show. I mean, <laughs> but um, uh, he, I was overwhelmed doing that show the first season. I only did one season and I was just, I was, it just, I, you know, it was very difficult creatively. It wasn't where I, we, we all wanted it to be. And so I asked for help and they brought in Alan and it was like such, it was like a, a superhero coming to rescue Superman flying through the window to help because he, I just admire his talent. And he thought what he said, he always wanted to work with me and we teamed up and actually made the rest of the show work. We felt, you know, at least the season we were there and then we both left. Um, so he was put in charge of the Scooby-Doo, uh, you know, putting together the writers and, and for, for some, some, uh, DVD releases and Mecca Menace was basically an episode. It was like 22 minutes. And so he called and asked, he had the title and the area, like not, not the whole NASA thing. And so he brought me in into that project. And that was a joy. I just, cause any time I get to spend with Alan is a win for me. So, uh, it was. It was it was fun. It was fun. It was it was very quick. I mean, it was just like we talked. The, I, I didn't even think we got together in person. We may have, but I think we did it all over the phone. And then I just wrote the script, and he did a polish, and then the movie got made. I mean, it was really fast. And when you were writing it, were you viewing it as like uh, an extension of a series and an episode, or were you viewing it as more of like a mini movie? I yeah, that uh, exactly that. It was a, a, I looked at it as a Scooby Doo short. You know, just a standalone something. I, there were other, because, you know, I know there were other shows going on at the time, and there was there's so many Scooby series. I mean, it's just this franchise that's going to live forever. And um, so my goal was, okay, I'm because it's a standalone, I just am going to write it as a short using the characters. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to tie it into any other universe that was going on around me. Um, and I felt the story was specific enough where, um, uh, yeah, and it's so funny, I didn't remember who got caught in the trap because that was my idea now that I think about it. You know, you know talking to Alexa brings back tons of memories. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, so that, that's how I approached it. But it was more of, you know, my eagerness to work with Alan Burnett again. And going off of the idea, was there anything in particular that you wanted to include in it? Um, I, uh, again, I think uh, uh, the Fred Daphne flirtation, I wanted to put that back in. And I think there were some moments in there, especially if I recall correctly, that he he flirts with the, the, the villainess. Um, uh and so that was something i always love to play up that dynamic i don't know why maybe it's i don't i, I can't explain it a psychologist probably could but um <laughs> but i always found that dynamic between them to be really fun and unexploited and so i brought that i tried to bring that back into mecca menace 
and also the cool the cool monster i mean the the the, the mutt i just a giant mechanical dog i just thought was hilarious so uh it could cause a lot of havoc and so that's uh i i remember that being a lot of fun to write and do you have a favorite part or a favorite character in the episode um you know i remember you know it's like i did not nobody really stood out like like whenever you're writing a scooby movie your whole focus mostly you know at least mine has always been like the gang i love the gang you know i love that i love group group think i love you know group solving mysteries so it was always uh that um and you know the the major exception was the hex girls because i i, I had an agenda with that movie i wanted i wanted to create something different um in mecca menace the whole process started so fast that it was mostly okay what's the mystery who are the players um and what fun things can our gang and scooby and shaggy get caught up in and you know bounced into space and all of this stuff you know all the funny gags we could do it was a very quick process as opposed to witches goes which was a lot longer you know it took a lot longer because it was a, essentially a movie and were there any challenges working on scooby at all whether from witches ghost or mecca menace you know, um, I, certainly not Mecca Menace. As, as I said, it was it was working with Alan Burnett. He's a pro. He knows what he's doing. It was very a pleasurable experience. Um, and I, you know, it was interesting. You know, once I completed with the script, which again, as I said, they 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 gave us carte blanche to do whatever we wanted. Um, and uh, and then I, you know, when I re when I read the rewrite of the producers, you know, who were actually going to make the show, make the movie, I I felt like they I I didn't really, you know, the things they changed I thought were fine. I felt, you know, I think that the, the hex girls they even played up more of of what we had put in the script. So it both experiences were very um, positive. So uh, so I don't really have any negative memories of 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 those experiences, which is, you know, rare in Hollywood. <laughs> I could go on for another hour and a half about other Hollywood uh, development experiences that were not so nice, but, uh, but those two actually were very positive. And maybe what were some of your favorite things from getting to work on Scooby? Uh, coming up with the food, the <laughs> I'm a foodie, so coming up with all the food that Scooby and Shaggy would be <laughs> both uh, uh, movies, um, uh, and uh, also, you know, it's 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 funny. I um, uh, I find, and I know Daphne has a reputation for being kind of the airhead or danger prone Daphne, or, or you know, but I always felt that there was a slyness behind her, which which I which I love to try to slip things in. So I think if you watch Scooby Doo and the Witches Goes, and especially Mecca Menace. You know, you can see the side. I try to show a different side of Daphne that isn't the usual, like, damsel in distress or, or tripping over the wires and ruining everything, you know, that kind of thing, which I hate, you know. And um, and so, you know, because Velma's, if, if you're going to say Velma's uh, the feminist, uh, you know, the, the, you know, I, 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 I try to try to do a little more with Daphne because I think there's, there's something there that's, uh, you know, that, that, there's more behind the the mask. <laughs> I try to tie in the title of your show. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it like to be able to, you know, tackle a different side of those characters? Well, it's great because, you're, you know, you, you, the wonderful thing about the Scooby gang is they're iconic, you know, and they will be for generations, I believe. 
Um, so anytime you can scratch beneath the surface of those established characters is, is creatively rewarding, I think. I think you have a, you know, you can have a really good time. So, and, and, and I remember because the development executives at the time were these, uh, and well, there were three and another guy I've worked with many years, for many years, uh, Christopher Keenan. Um, they, they just stepped back and allowed us to play with the, with the formula a little bit, you know, and again, they know what they're doing. They know what their audience expects. So then it's not like, it's like a James Bond movie. You can only go so far into making changes because people have expectations that you want to meet. But given those parameters, uh, in both those pro Scooby projects I did, I was able to be able to like dig a little deeper. And, and, and when I say dig a little deeper, I don't, I mean just like with lines here and there with little, inserts and 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 exchanges between the characters because again you're working for a very specific iconic group of people or characters and what was it like to be able to come in and you know kind of run wild with characters that you had grown up watching well scooby it was a dream come true you know i've been very fortunate you know because in in my career because i've had kind of the schizophrenic career in a way going from wildly from sitcoms to movies to the uh, and so for some reason i've got to play with all these iconic characters or iconic titles too like scooby-doo and teen titans which i read as a kid in comic books brady bunch you know with the brady bunch movie i did a show called teen knight rider about talking cars so there were all these uh, things along the way that were, had been done before, and I got to kind of look at them in a new way, which was it's very exciting as a writer. You know, you, you know, I, even creating your own, you know, characters. And it's so funny because I I did this um, web series for seven years called Where the Bears Are, and it was a, it was a comedy mystery. And uh, whenever we get a review, somebody says, "Oh, it's Scooby Doo with you know." <laughs> so it's like I always get this. Comparisons. Oh, it's the Scooby Doo gang, but it's these guys, you know. So um, even as recently as as uh, uh, today, you know, things I'm doing harken back to my roots with Scooby Doo and mysteries and, and that kind of thing. And did you think that Witch's Ghost would hold up so many years later, and people would no. still be watching it every year? No, I, I had no idea, and and. You know, I mean, they've done a lot since, but for whatever reason, like I, um, uh, I remember several times I was in New York. Uh, my publisher of my books is in New York, and I go once a year. And they wanted me to go down um, to uh, see the, one of the book covers that they had, just, the artist had designed. So I went down to the second floor of the and went to his office, and I saw the cover, and it was beautiful. And he goes, "I just have one." favor to ask and he brought out the dvd artwork from witch's ghost and said my kids would love for you to sign this and i'm like oh my god you know and this is we're talking like years later like, <laughs> like the movie's been out for years and that's when i realized wow people still, and and you know his kids wouldn't have been born when the movie came out so um uh so that's when i started to realize oh my god this is enduring this this particular movie is, is lasting and uh, and that's nice and it's nice it's a good feeling. And if you were given the opportunity, would you tackle another Scooby project again? I think, yeah, I would love to. Um, you know, again, it depends on the the idea. I feel like they've done everything. You know, I mean, you know, you look at the titles. Like, I always want to do, like, a Goonies pirate ship. Oh, that's been done. You know, or, like, you know, there's, there's uh, 
I would have to spend a lot of time thinking of, of, of something, you know, that we haven't seen before in the Scooby world, which is now we're talking 51 years that Scooby has been around. So, you know, things are being redone and, 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 uh, updated for today and and so uh, it would depend on the idea of what it what if it excited me but i certainly would love to write for those characters again absolutely and kind of on that note they had just done a sequel to zombie island if they were to do a sequel to witch's ghost do you think that it would work you know i don't know actually that's news alexa i didn't know they'd done a sequel to zombie island um you know, given the end of the story and given, you know, I, I mean, I certainly could see them bringing back the Hex Girls with Scooby in a movie version of something, you know, but going back to Oak Haven and, and Ben Ravencroft, I mean, you, you, I could see something, but it would have to be a strong enough story that you didn't, we didn't feel like we were repeating ourselves. Definitely. And and I can't even tell you what that would be, <laughs> especially since I haven't had my coffee this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just generally, why do you think that Scooby has lasted for so long and has been, you know, so prominent for over 50 years now? Um, you know what? You have to go back to the original series. I think the original series was... Um, those characters were so strong. You had the Shaggy, and 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 you know you had a, a talk, the Talking Great Dane, and then you had, and the you know as as you know kind of vanilla as Fred and Daphne were. You know they were sort of the uh, you know um, the straight men to the comedies. It was a classic comedy mystery show, and and ki everybody loves a good mystery. You know I've discovered that, and and when you when you have the characters to take you on that journey to solve that. So you have a burning question of what's going on that you want to know how this is going to be solved, but you're taken on that journey by these characters that you just absolutely fall in love with. And I, I credit the writers. I credit the voice actors who were so important in the early days of Scooby, uh, the animators, you know, who gave those kids the look, their looks that have been so enduring. Um, I think that's what it is. I, I think if you had had less, um, compelling characters, the show would have just been like one of the many that you saw come in the wake of Scooby, like Goober and the Ghostbusters and, and those kind of shows that don't have the lasting quality that Scooby had because it all comes down to characters that people and fall in love with. And I think, and Scooby was, of course, you know, as the namesake of the show, um, he was, you know, he was so lovable. And, and the voice was just so memorable. And, and so it was a, a, a group you wanted to go back and be with every week for a half hour. And who wouldn't want to drive around in the mystery machine? I mean, come on. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think that covers all of the questions that I had for you. Is there anything uh, else that you wanted to add at all? Maybe any stories that popped into your head as we were going along? God, I think we covered a lot. I'm still reeling from the quiz, Alexa. <laughs> How badly I did. I mean, you got one. I got one. I got one. <laughs> but I had just been interviewed about them, like, not even a year ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Perfect. Um, well, just before we end, do you have any recent projects that you'd like to promote at all? You know, uh, uh, the, uh, what I do, now, yes, because if people love mysteries, I write three different mystery novel series, uh, and I write under the name of Lee Hollis. So if you go to Amazon or barnesandnoble.com or whatever they are, there I, I have three series. I have the Haley Powell Food and Cocktails Mysteries, which I write with my sister about a, a, a woman in Maine who writes a food column and solves local murders. It's Murder She Wrote meets Rachel Ray. Uh, <laughs> and then I do another series called Poppy Harmon, uh, and she's a retired actress in Palm Springs who solves mysteries. So it's the Golden Girls meets Murder She Wrote. Everything is meets Murder She Wrote. And then I do another series called the Maya and Sander Mysteries, which uh, are um, a private eye and a senator's wife uh, who team up to solve mysteries. So it's Death and Housewives meets Murder, She Wrote. So uh, those, that, those are my current projects. I'm, uh, they're, they're available. And, um, and yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Perfect. Those all sound really great. <laughs> Especially the food ones, because they come with recipes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> And do you have any social media channels or websites or places where people can follow what you're up to? I have a couple websites, which, you know, what I just uh, built during the pandemic, you know, since we're all staying at home. I, I have rickcop.com where you can go read about um, all the, the, the books I'm working on. And if you want to check out the web series I did for seven years, Where the Bears Are, um, uh, plus it has all the credits I did, so you'll know, know it's me. And then we also have leehollisthmysteries.com. Um, we're on Twitter at Lee Hollis Books and Lee Hollis uh, on Facebook, and so yeah, check it out if you're interested, and and uh, uh, read a book if uh, if you got some time. So. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Rick. Thank you, Alexa. And that concludes today's episode. Another huge thank you to Rick Kopp for taking the time to chat with me. For more groovy content, be sure to check at UnmaskedSD on Twitter, at UnmaskedSDPodcast on Instagram, or at UnmaskedSDPodcast.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook under the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo podcast. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, also make sure to check those social media channels or the website. Or you can listen to older episodes wherever you like to get your podcast fix. Thanks for listening, and keep an ear out for the next episode. Scooby-Dooby-Doo!